0: Hello, I'm Damien Venuto, it's August 25th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The New Zealand government has been pouring money into attracting large movie makers to Aotearoa. One of the big benefactors was the new Lord of the Rings TV show hitting Amazon Prime next week. The promise is that these incentives will create jobs, boost the economy and offer fresh marketing opportunities. But as other sectors cry out for that funding, are we getting a good enough return on our investment? And should we be looking at other ways to spend the large sums going into international movie studios? Today, I'm joined by NZ Herald investigative reporter, Matt Nippet, for discussion about whether New Zealand is simply lining the pockets of rich movie executives. Matt, to start, could you briefly explain the current incentives that exist for international film studios wanting to film in New Zealand?
1: Well, at the moment, if they come here and they spend enough money, they can get 20% of what they spend here uh, back with a cheque. Sometimes it's a little bit less than 20%. For example, if you're just doing sort of visual effects and post-production. And in certain special cases, uh, if they argue that there's a
0: significant economic benefit to New Zealand, uh, that gets bumped up to 25%. So what started this trend of courting film studios to come to New Zealand? Is this a lingering result of our fascination with The Lord of the Rings? Yeah, well, The Lord of the Rings was a really
1: pivotal moment in the New Zealand film industry. It was a staggeringly large production. I think it was the first time they sort of filmed three movies at once. And to support it, they had a very opaque, ad hoc sort of tax arrangement. It's never quite clear how much money Warner Brothers got from that, but it was in the hundreds of millions. But once those films came out, they decided they wanted to keep bringing films into New Zealand. They set up the first iteration of the scheme that actually only paid sort of 12.5% back in 2004
0: you've been quite adamant that we shouldn't refer to these schemes as tax breaks why is that?
1: well tax breaks makes it sound like oh it's, they're just paying a little bit less tax than they were previously when you know recent studies trying to quantify how much money the government's putting into these things and getting them out shows that they spend more money on these sort of cash rebates that they get back in a stimulated tax revenue it, it is a net drain on government coffers i think that's reasonably clear now
0: so it's basically a cash giveaway to these organizations in return for their money oh it's totally a cash giveaway i mean i should probably oaa the checks i mean how much money are we talking here when you look at a series like the lord of the rings that was filmed partly in new zealand well you
1: know if you just just need to to do the basic maths and you can see that um lord of the rings has a reported budget each season of 600 million dollars you know what's 20 percent of that um looking at about 150 i've had a check um they the first season of that here. They've only uh, sort of asked for $30 million so far of a $151 million budget spent in New Zealand. So clearly there's a bit more money still to be flowing in. I mean, Avatar, that's just on a whole nother level. It's another sort of mega production getting towards the end. We've paid out $140 million to date with a $700 million budget and clearly there's still lots of cash to flow under the bridge yet.
0: There was a time when the world was so young there had not yet been a sunrise. But even then, There was light. Now, Lord of the Rings is being made by Amazon Studios, which in turn is owned by Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world. So does this funding actually boost the local industry or are we simply lining the pockets of people who are already really rich?
1: I think we're doing both. But, of course, you've got to remember the local industry, we've got our own (laughs) globally rich people. I mean, uh, Peter Jackson Wellington's back to being a billionaire. And my reporting found that of this scheme, I think, 40% of all spending was for entities in the wider Weta group, the vast majority of which was that special effects house Weta Digital in Miramar. I mean, if you look at someone like Peter Jackson, he's essentially quite largely government-funded. When this scheme was put in place, there was a real concern that Jackson would leave. And there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people being employed by him at the time. And to encourage him to stay
0: and try to build an industry here, we did agree to pay him, and we've been doing that ever since. Now... There is obviously some job creation here, but do these film projects actually inject as much money into the local economies as we suspect or as we're told?
1: Well, there's certainly a lot of money coming in. I mean, I had a look at the latest iteration of the scheme came in in 2010. You know, there's been uh, close to $6 billion of local spending on these films, you know, with a billion dollars paid out in subsidies. It's not free money for that $6 billion of expenditure. We had to provide $6 billion of Goods and services—that's you know hundreds of millions of dollars in capitals tied up in film studios, both building them and keeping them going. I mean, we're digital. While well, they do amazing work, one of their biggest expenses is power. They're getting twenty percent off their power bill, as well, for you know doing special effects
0: for the like of the Avengers and Alvin and the Chipmunks Five. Meanwhile, for several months now, the executives of local video game companies have called on the government for more support. We're just getting absolutely punished. It's extremely hard to operate when we've got these amazing subsidies in Australia and film is getting all this money. Why does the government favour these big movie studios over local businesses that are also employing people here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult bind. Successive governments have got themselves in here. Uh, because if you accept the arguments for the, the film industry saying that these are worthwhile, then surely they'll apply to other industries. So it requires you to have a very exceptionalist view of the film industry to just give it to them. The film industry here is almost now too big to fail. I mean, I have talked with um, opposition members of parliament about this. They're sympathetic to concerns about uh, this scheme, but realise that if they've to into the office and abolished them, they'll become whipping boys and give the opposition something easy to campaign on. You know, they can put thousands of jobs. I think we've had a group leading marches in the streets, a decade ago over employment issues so you can sort of mobilize a lot of public attention around this and it becomes politically very
0: very difficult to do anything you've also mentioned that with films like avatar we've been tied into a range of potential sequels
1: you should teach me sky people cannot learn you do not see (laughs) then teach me how to see no one can teach you to see
0: whoa
1: you're like a baby.
0: How does that factor into decision making given that we've committed to sequels that haven't been made yet and might be commissioned in the future?
1: Well, it sort of makes it very difficult for a government to back out of the scheme. Certainly there was some talk a couple of years ago about capping how much money we're sort of sending offshore to encourage these productions. And legal issues were raised, particularly over Avatar, which, you know, has us on the hook for a potentially unlimited number of sequels. Uh, finally, that series is going to air, Sort of, I think five, six years late. Uh, and there will be some officials in Treasury trying to figure out how much the scheme will cost in the future, desperately watching overnight the box office returns to see whether the film studios are going to green light Avatars 3, 4, 5. I mean, how many do you want to go to?
0: How do the incentives for film studios compare to the local funding given to the creative industry?
1: Well, I mean, if you compare like what's paid out for the SPG International, which is sort of around, before COVID hit, it was sort of tracking towards about $150 million a year. I mean, that's equivalent to the entirety of New Zealand on air. You know, that funds Radio New Zealand, big chunk of journalism. It's also all three times more than the Creative New Zealand budget, which sort of funds all our dance, all our literature, (laughs) all our theatre it appears to be significantly out of
0: whack. Do you think there's an argument to be made that this money could be spent better in other ways? Even if you look at local video game studios, if you look at theatre, the arts, the local film industry, uh, surely there's a better way that this money could be spent? Well, that's the big question. It's the opportunity cost.
1: I mean, this scheme is is enormous and growing further. If you have specific outcomes, would that money be better deployed elsewhere? Sure, the film industry can point to the fact, you know, they're large, they employ thousands, there's billions of economic activity, but could that support deliver more, not just economic outcomes, but maybe art
0: outcomes, if spent elsewhere? Matt, the tourism possibilities offered by the likes of the Lord of the Rings often touted as one of the reasons to keep these productions and incentives going. However... I don't think many people are going to come here to see the green screens of the Avatar sequels. So does that argument still stand up? And can New Zealand still rely on the Middle Earth branding?
1: Yeah, the Lord of the Rings tourism spinoff was sort of
0: unprecedented. Thank you for embarking upon your journey with Air New Zealand. May your path always be guided by the light of the stars and may the future bestow upon you all the happiness and adventure our Middle Earth has to offer. That's a wrap, everyone. I hope you enjoyed
1: it. I mean, it was a very bold project by Peter Jackson, and everyone sort totally of knew it was made here. Quite difficult now that Amazon, who they paid $300 million for the Tolkien rights, they've decided it's much easier to film in the UK. So we've sort of lost that. We can no longer piggyback everything Lord of the Rings with New Zealand. But it, but it, I'm not entirely sure we won't get tourism in Avatar. I mean, there was a huge server farm in Miramar, where all that magic happened. I mean, you may not be getting millions of tourists, but you know you might get a couple of hundred.
0: You also have some interesting anecdotes about how New Zealand is kind of segued into films in in exchange for cash deals and so forth. Do you just want to touch on a few of those little backroom stories that you've heard? Yeah, well, there's often
1: been criticism that, are with, that these schemes have just been funding projects with no connection to New Zealand at all. So they had this bonus 5% uplift for projects with a significant New Zealand component and impact. And one of these is uh, the the Power Rangers kids' TV show. They sought a bonus 5% and were granted it. And one of the little uh, bits of script writing that I think they submitted (laughs) to the government and got approval for was uh, the Power Rangers made a pavlova.
0: May I present to you pavlova? It's a favorite dessert of my home country, New Zealand. Please give us another chance! Call yourself a New Zealander and you can't even make a pavlova!
1: A couple of million dollars of extra funding, effectively for a couple of shots of Auckland waterfront and a pavlova topped with kiwi fruit. Might be the most expensive
0: pavlova ever made in New Zealand. Weta also handled the Thunderbirds reboot. What are some of the backroom dealings around that?
1: There's obviously been a bit of big change in the sector in recent years. It's not just big films. We've seen the sort of rise of television and streaming, and our scheme is well, relatively late to adapt to funding big budget TV series to the same level as doing films. And so Sir Richard Taylor got the IP rights to do Thunderbirds and was keen to somehow explore ways the government might support it better. I got a letter from him to Chris Finlayson sort of pointing out that he was willing to make certain changes. I think he was willing to make some of the puppets Maori. He was willing to base the Thunderbirds headquarters island in the Kerbidex, therefore making it a New Zealand story. I don't think they'd ever made the final script and eventually they did change the policy and allow sort of TV shows to also get access to this funding. But I mean it's There's a real problem of mission creep here, because if you're initially set up for films, but now you're funding TV shows, I mean, why shouldn't you be funding games? Indeed, why shouldn't we be funding a whole range of industries? But at that point, you you're looking at a scheme instead of costing 200 million, it would be sort of into the tens of billions and would be sort of self-defeating for government coffers.
0: Now, Amazon decided to move production of season two of the Rings of Power series to the UK, citing a lot of their productions are based there as the reason for the move. Can New Zealand ever hope to scope with the scale that you have in Europe or in the US? And is it worth us continuing to try and compete with these far bigger countries? Yes, of course you can achieve that scale. I mean, Avatar spent
1: $700 million over the last 10 years. The Hobbit was, you know, a billion over five or six. There is the scale there, but we have to pay for it. To maintain a large enough infrastructure for these mega projects, you not only need to pay for the mega projects, you also need to pay for all the projects in the downtime. It's an enormously expensive undertaking, and it's very, very difficult when you're competing against jurisdictions who are simply willing to outspend you. It's not down to sort of
0: raw skill and talent. It's a checkbook game. That's basically an international bidding war to offer studios the best deal, right? So should New Zealand decide to cut its losses and just say it's too much?
1: Easier to do that now than, you know, a couple of years down the track when <laughs> the industry is even larger. It's a very difficult position to be in because... Uh, getting rid of the subsidies, I imagine, would lead to a wholesale collapse in the sort of the, the international film market. However, I do know local producers and screen people um, have found it quite difficult to get film studio space, simply because those mega productions, particularly like you know Lord of the Rings and Avatar, just block book studios for years on end. So you know maybe we'll save money on uh, instead of having to build new studios, we can just use some of the ones that are now empty. But I mean, clearly, it would be devastating for the locals working in that sector. You know, and you you'd probably be looking at thousands of job losses that governments find it very, very difficult to spot. He was here. Sauron was here. Tell the others to rest while they can.
0: With Amazon taking season two overseas, how much money roughly would we save in terms of the subsidies that we normally give to them?
1: Well, if you look at the sort of basic assumptions like, you know, $500 million a season, that's $100 million in subsidies a year. I think they've advanced five seasons. So maybe the government's $400 million up from that.
0: Finally, Matt, if the incentives program was dropped tomorrow, where would you like to see that money go?
1: There's a big issue here that the scheme initially started off as sort of an arts policy to promote New Zealand and to build the creative sectors, and it's moved pretty much into a raw industrial subsidy. It needs to be far more focused on what its core objectives are, and I think we should be trying to tell more New Zealand stories. I mean, spend more on New Zealand on air. There's another half of this screen production grant scheme that focuses on domestic productions. You could just refocus the money there, and maybe we would get more sort of cultural bang for our buck from those sort of projects than the sort of international special effects piecework that seems to have dominated the sector in recent
0: years. Thanks for joining us, Matt. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.